Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the new year. Uh, This is season two of the Spin Move podcast, where we give our spin on the week's worth of sports news. And my, do we have a lot to cover from the uh, big uh, college basketball brawl that took place between uh, Big 12 schools to uh, the MLB Hall of Famers that just announced yesterday, uh, last night, along with giving our recap of the NFL Conference Championships that took place over the weekend and uh, what we think are going to be the NBA All-Star starters as they're going to be revealed tomorrow night. So with all that being said, I just wanted to say you can uh, listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and uh, on Google, Google Play. As well as you can find us on Twitter at the Spin Move Podcast. Feel free to tweet, uh, like, and uh, subscribe to any of our media. And feel free to pass this uh, on to your friends, family, and colleagues. So, with, uh, and so this is uh, Wednesday, the twenty second of uh, Jan, and I'm with uh, Paulo and Nathan. So, how are you guys doing today? Very, very good. It's. Uh... This is a crazy day to talk sports, especially, like you said, about the uh, the Kansas-Kansas State brawl. Yeah, that was pretty wild. When I saw the highlights of that, I was I was shocked because I'm like, are we having seriously a repeat of the mouse of the fouls this time in college basketball? And like, it, it, when you see it and when we talk about it, it's completely unnecessary. But, yeah, I'm excited to talk a lot of sports. There's so much to talk about, so much to get into. So, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. To start off, we are going to talk about that Kansas-Kansas State game. So we had our first uh, college basketball brawl that I can recall since the uh, infamous Xavier Cincinnati one uh, back in 2011. Oh, that one. Yep, that involved uh, heated Des Wells and had three uh, Cincinnati Bearcats players get suspended six games each. Des got handed a four-game suspension. That game was a Xavier blowout. And this was the same uh, last night. Kansas easily defeated their in-state rival, Kansas State. But the melee occurred with under, like, five seconds left. And uh, Kansas well in hand uh, with this victory. So according to this USA Today article, uh, with three sec- less than three seconds left in the blowout, Kansas State guard uh, Jawan Jordan stole the ball from Kansas forward uh, Silvio de Souza just uh, past midcourt. D'Souza chased Gordon down and blocked his shot from behind. And on top of that, he was ta- taunting the D'Souza, taunting uh, Gordon like while he's while Gordon was on the ground. And that is when uh, Gordon, uh, Wildcat freshman forward Antonio Gordon, uh, flew into the picture and shoving D'Souza backward and away from the freshman guard. And other uh, shoves were exchanged while some players and assistant coaches attempted attended to play peacemaker. Both teams had reserves in the game at this point, although each bench cleared and all those players were subsequently ejected because, as you know, leaving the bench, uh, regardless of situation, is an automatic uh, ejection. And so uh, D'Souza appears to escalate the physicality, throwing the brawl's first punch in the direction of Wildcats guard uh, David Sloan. Kansas State's James Love, inactive and wearing street clothes, he was wearing a khaki and a black shirt, engages with D'Souza, and the two appear to throw punches at one another. D'Souza then picks up a metal stool and holds it over at his head before dropping it. And then he is uh, corralled by uh, Bill Self, the head coach of Kansas and Jayhawks' assistant coaches, and then the 35-second uh, brouhaha settles down. 
And so as of uh, an hour and a half ago, uh, we actually got the full uh, slate of suspensions. The Sousa, the instigator, was suspended by the Big 12 for 12 games, missing the Kansas State rematch uh, 11 games from now. And uh, the Kansas State player that one that I mentioned that was in street code clothes, James Love the third, was suspended eight games, and one player from both teams was suspended two and three games accordingly. So after all that, your guys' thoughts on the situation? Things that always get me ticked off is when people are committing taunting penalties. And Kansas was up twenty plus points. Right. What was the point of that? It's just no point. And I honestly, when you're when you're looking at it, you're just you're asking yourself there there has to be a better reason than this. And I, my the problem is is that you know, especially when it's another man, like you you're stepping over another man that that automatically triggers you know any anybody to to want to start fighting. And it's it's like literally the one thing that you don't do unless you want you want a fight to break out and. Unfortunately, there were there were punches thrown. People were, you know, they were going into the stands. There's so much chaos at the end of a game, like you said, Paolo, that was pretty much done. And it's just like it's it's just it's completely unnecessary. And now that has an effect on Kansas going forward, as well as Kansas State going forward in terms of you know them winning and them them being um, competitive in the national. Um, turn in the tournament in the national championship because they they were the number three seed at the, on that night and for them to to lose a guy like him and to lose a couple other players too it really escalates the yeah situation in the middle of a conference play yeah in the middle of a conference play and it really just it puts a situation where something something could have been so much so much um, uh, easy or or so much better taken care of. Rather than what we're ha- what we have now, where you know you got some guys out for t- one guy out for twelve games, other guys out for five to six games, which is a it's, it's quite a bit of games. Although I thought the guy um, who instigated the fight should have gotten an even bigger D'Souza. Um, yeah, D'Souza. I think he should have gotten a bigger sure? uh, penalty because this obviously when you told me Samir before the the podcast, this wasn't his first. Um, uh, issue with, yeah, with Kansas, and not only that, he went in the stands. He threw punches, and and he did pick up the stool. He didn't he didn't follow through with it, but I think that's because somebody actually slapped it down. But still, it's all those things you know combined, it's a lot of it's a it's a really bad look for college basketball in this game. So yeah, I was very disappointed to see that. Are you sure it's twelve games that the Sosa was uh, suspended? I thought it was indefinitely. It was indefinitely uh, by the uh, team, but uh, 12 games by the Big 12. So the, the, what a lot of times what teams do is they suspend a player indefinitely until they hear the suspension from the NCAA. And usually they'll either um, maintain what the NCAA has or they might add on a couple games. Um, in this case, they might add on a couple games because this is his second um, his second stint, but it, uh, it really depends upon how oh, the season yeah. goes. <laughs> okay. That's the way I think is that they typically look at it. Okay, I was a little confused there. I just yeah. to make sure. Because if he was out indefinitely, right. then if uh, Kansas lose any like crucial games, especially in the tournament, then right. the, the fault's going to go on to Sosa because yeah. he tried to commit something that he really shouldn't have done. And uh, he's thinking that it may have been well worth it. Well, it's not. It wasn't yeah, worth it. It wasn't worth it. Because you're costing a team. You're causing your team 
not only a chance, some crucial games to get into a higher seed of the tournament, but possibly to get to the Final Four and to get to the National exactly. Championship. Exactly. And, and I, the Sosa, I know, don't want the blame of that, but he's no. got he's got no choice but to deserve the blame, and he yeah. deserves a suspension. He does. If he if he gets additional ones, he should. Then I will support it because again, you don't. You don't do do, do something like it's that, such a especially decision. when you have so the game quick. one. Especially when you have the game one. I know Bill Self coaches that team up well. He's been coaching there for years, so I know he co- he coaches his team to be much better than that. And it's just it, it's just unnecessary. Oh man, he trying to act tough, trying to get a, a chair ready to hit right. someone's chair. This ain't wrestling. It's not wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> this ain't WWE. You know, we're not. It's not you know Monday night you know at the in the in the ring you're not getting the chair and slapping somebody upside the head that's not how this works so it's a good thing that didn't happen because that could have been a lot worse. Oh, and to be honest, I think he would have got if had he went went through with it, he was going to get kicked off the team. Oh yeah, his college career. Yeah, I wouldn't over. be surprised if the NCAA um to uh, basically probably I mean, probably uh, suspended him indefinitely as well. So I think he regrets it, but um he's got no one to blame on himself. That's true. It's true. Yep, and he was also, uh, I just pulled up his wiki uh, page, uh, he was also involved in a October 2018 uh, uh, college basketball corruption mm. case. And so that put his uh, status with the team on hold. Mm. As uh, on October 24th, he was uh, suspe- basically, the team announced that he would be held with, out of competition until an eligibility review was completed. Yeah, he was supposed to be suspended this season and next season. Yeah, at, on uh, the... February 1st of last year, the NCAA ruled him ineligible for this se- last season and this season. Okay, right. And then uh, Ken- the Kansas athletic director said that uh, they will appeal and they filed the appeal in, in April. And then uh, in May, he had won his appeal. And uh, then he basically continued playing. And then we had what happened yesterday. Man, this is a... Uh... Probably strike one, two, and three. I don't know exactly how that's it's gonna look, but I hope they figure it out, you know. And I hope I hope this situation uh, turns around for Kansas, um, and I hope Mr. Souza learns his lesson. Yep, and we'll then, see. We'll, we'll see. Yep. Big blow for Kansas in the uh, short term, anyways. Yep. And then moving on to other college basketball, there was the Maryland Northwestern game that happened last night, mm-hmm. uh, and that was. Yet again, uh, the same old Maryland, same old team that we've always seen this year. Uh, Maryland was playing their fifth conference road game of the season last night, and yet surprisingly won. This against the uh, worst Big Ten team in Northwestern, who was 6-11 and headed into last night's game. Wow. Maryland is 14-3 and at the time. Uh, and then uh, more of this uh, same uh, Terps uh, sluggish first half was apparent. They were 0-4 to from three uh, to start the game, yeah. and then we're down fourteen to three against Northwestern uh, around this under sixteen media timeout in the first half. While Northwestern was hitting on all cylinders yeah. at the three point line, the team was trailing by in, around the teens for the majority of the first half, as they couldn't stop Northwestern's quality looks from three, like Nathan just mentioned, and they attempted one too many threes themselves that didn't go in, and on rare occasions drove to the basket, which they should have done more often. Then the second half started. It was a complete 180. Yeah. Topsy turvy of the first half. The Maryland D stymied uh, Northwestern scoring, and then they, Maryland continuously drove into the lane, resulting in nine Northwestern fouls at around the 10 minute mark. Mm. 
Yeah, Northwestern uh, does lead um, with a lot of personal fouls in Maryland with 22 to, a 22 to 15 ratio. Yeah, and I was going to say that, that I mean, the, Maryland got to the free throw line 29 times. Yeah, as most of the second half. Yeah, but their field goal percentage has to improve. I mean, 35%. 89.7 in this game. On oh, this one? So, yeah, there was 26 out of 29 from from, uh, from free throws for this oh, game. That's oh, what for really free throws. Game so we're talking about strength. field goals. Yeah, field no, goals. Field goal was terrible. That's they what I'm talking about. Field goals. 35 to Northwestern's 50. That's yeah, they just, they just can't make quality sh- uh, two-point shots and yeah. three-point shots. Yeah, they they were really missing. I think in that first half, that's really what really brought their their percentage down. Then they started hitting them fourth or this towards the end of the second half. They started hitting them, and really also turnovers played a huge factor because Northwestern had 13 turnovers. A lot of that came in the second half. Yeah, like I said, the Maryland's defense stymied Northwestern scoring yep. due to the turnover ratio, and then Maryland in the second half had one turnover. Right. What it was their Achilles heel in years past in years and games past was committing unnecessary turnovers. Here they only committed one in the second half. Yeah. And then uh, Jalen Smith, who had his cold first half as well, yeah, right. uh, had a career game finishing with 25 and 11 rebounds on 7 of 13 shooting, most of them coming from the uh, free throw line, most mm-hmm. of the points. And then Wiggins, Aaron Wiggins, who's had a cold uh, October, November, December, January uh, finally got past his shooting slump as, shooting slump as of late uh, as he's uh, shot uh, and made five three-pointers. I believe he was like five of seven or something, five of so. nine from three-point line, so that's pretty good. And they rolled to a 77-66 win. So the first half, the Maryland scored 26 points. Second half, they doubled that and scored 51 points in the second half itself. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's a huge turnaround for them. It is, but going to Dress these uh, cold yeah. starts. Yeah, it's not going to work come tournament time. It's true. It's yeah, true. because uh, these teams, but come tournament time, all the teams are really good. So it, there's no, there's no getting around that. <laughs> yep, and I was mentioning in a, in a Reddit comment that's saying that Maryland would be a heavy favorite to be knocked out of in the first round because of these cold starts. I agree. No matter the opponent. I agree. The way that they're starting games and having these hot, cold starts and finishes. Yep. I mean. The great thing about where Maryland is right now, though, is that this is the first half of the season. So they have a lot of opportunities to grow. And at least in terms of the start that they've had, they they have a a pretty good start to the the beginning of the season. So these are issues that they can, I think, continue to overcome. I think it, it will be good for them to face tougher opponents because then they'll realize what it takes to play at that that kind of level initially and to see if they'll adjust to that. But the problem is every year for like at least the past eight years under Turgeon, they completely stink up the place come uh, February. Yes, they do. They never – I don't think they have ever had above 500 uh, February month of games. That's true. Because they've seemed to tank against uh, elite uh, uh, Big Ten competition uh, in that month. Yeah. And Although I think they have one of the more well-rounded teams that they that they've had also within the past few years. I think they have um, some really good players on the on the uh, perimeter as well as Jalen Smith, who's a fantastic forward. Um, so I, I think they have a, a, a pretty well-rounded team. Um, so I mean, I am curious to see um, if they can um, adjust um, and improve. I know they, their February's tell us otherwise. 
But I mean, we'll see. We'll see how they. We'll see how they continue to improve. It's yeah. gonna be interesting. So the team goes on the road to a raucous assembly hall. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, as they face the Hoosiers, who are also 14 and four, Maryland class. is 15 and four. But the um, Terps have not won in Indiana since 2015, and that mm-hmm. was the Jake Lehman, Des Wells, Mello Trimble trio. Yeah. And they are 0 and two uh, since that uh, last uh, win in 2015, and their last game in uh, Assembly Hall was in 2018. So it should be an entertaining game, nevertheless, between two equal teams. For sure. And then we have the MLB Hall of Fame uh, inductees who were announced uh, last night. The MLB did announce uh, two players inducted into the Hall of Fame. The one surprise was Derek Jeter. JK. <laughs> yeah, the surprise was that he wasn't a unanimous decision, that there was still one anonymous voter who didn't vote him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, yep. There's always somebody. But it's weird. They announce, they give uh, Mariano Rivera unanimous selection, but not Derek Jeter. Yeah, but you know, you know how people, you know how in in sports, and it's one of those things where depending upon what sport it is, like there's there's certain people who just don't like certain people, and so regardless, they just won't ever vote for them. Just they won't to prove ever a point. Good. Yeah, just to prove a point, because everybody knows Derek Jeter is a unanimous Hall. Of, people were saying he was a Hall of Famer halfway through his career. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't even it was there was no like if ands or buts. Most people, or I should say, most people, a lot of people consider him to be the best Yankee of all time, which is saying a lot because Yankees. The Yankees have had a storied franchise for like hundreds of years. Of, yeah, yeah, beginning of time. So it's like you know, it's 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 one of those things where somebody probably didn't like Derek Jeter and they wanted to prove a point. So and the thing is, I would be surprised. Of course he's, of course he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because even non-baseball fans they know who Derek Jeter exactly. is. Exactly. So he's, he's yeah. iconic. I mean exactly. He, he was I think he was one of the first baseball players to sign with with the Jordan brand if I remember. Hmm. Um and he I mean he just I mean he could play shorts. He was the one of the best shortstops of all time. And you know a lot of people uh tune in to see his final game. Exactly. Tons of people. And that was an emotional Yep, uh, against my Orioles and he did it with a walk-off single. Walk-off single. So <laughs> which is that's like that's quintessential Derek Jeter. Quintessential. So um, not on a walk off home run. I'm sorry, not on a walk off home ahead. run, but a walk off single. That was Derek Jeter. Singles, doubles. That's what that's what he was his whole career. He always hit for average. He's hit the one of the some of the most in all of baseball. So he's just all right, that's quintessential Derek Jeter. I'm yeah, sorry, clutch but, hitters. Oh, no, 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 I want I want us to go over uh, our predictions. What we uh, Picked last week for our Hall of Fame ballots for MLB. Uh, we picked five uh, people. I picked number one, Derek Jeter. Uh, I think next I picked was um, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, Larry Walker, and Manny Ramirez. And I got <laughs> Jeter and Walker. Yep. I had uh, Jeter. I picked uh, Walker's teammate, uh, in this case, uh, Todd Helton. Those two, plus uh, Clemens, Bonds, and Vizquel. And uh, we have the the Hall of Fame ballot up, uh, the voting count up, and so Derek Jeter and Larry Walker were the only two good that are going to be inducted this coming summer. Larry Walker making his tenth and final appearance on the ballot, and they finally let voted him in with seventy six point six percent of the vote. Cutoff was at seventy five percent, and so he. Be, I was listening, and he basically got in by six votes. Wow. 
That's very close. Yeah. I mean, it's well-deserved. I think it's one of those things where, you know, it, this is his last year of eligibility. I think most of the voters um, believe that he um, is a Hall of Famer, and they don't want to see him miss the Hall of Fame um, just because, you know. Or some personal some bias. Personal biases. Yeah, so I, I think it's good that they were able to vote him in. Um, you know, whether you barely get in or whether you get in by a landslide, you get in and being a Hall of Famer is a unique uh, reward for an amazing uh, career. So congratulations to Larry Walker. Um, very happy to see him um, to uh, become the Hall of Famer. Um, and there's several other guys who should be up next. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing them in the future with that as well. Nathan, you remember who you picked? Like yeah, my picks were Derek Jeter, Kurt Schilling. Uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and it was also Manny Ramirez. So I picked a lot of the uh, steroids. <laughs> yep. uh, users. Heavy users. Um, obviously, Barry Bonds is, is closest to me. I, I think he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. I thought he should have been in this year. Um, that was that was one of my, you know, surefire. He needs to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, there's, there's so many good players on this list. It's difficult to choice from, but... Those two are really good. Yeah. So uh, Kurt Schilling came in third place with 70% of the vote. So he just missed the cutoff by 5%, followed by Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds at around 61% each. The player I picked that I thought deserved the Hall of Fame vote uh, uh, and induction was uh, Omar Vizquel, one of the best uh, defensive shortstops of all time. He's at 52.6%. So... They're getting up there to that 75% threshold. Yeah. I mentioned to these guys earlier that uh, both uh, Clemens and Bonds, they were actually around like 40, 50%, like four or five years ago. Right. So they've been actually climbing. They've quite a bit. And I do think Kurt Schilling will get in next year. And I think uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds will get in the year after. For sure. I think they may wait till um, their last year of the ballot. For yeah, the 10th season. So that's what, that's what, they're so, both on their eighth season this year. Kurt so Schilling will make it in his ninth season. And Barry Bonds Roger Clemens will make it in their 10th season. That's what I think. So that would wrap up uh, our talk on the MLB Hall of Fame inductees. Congrats to Derek Jeter and uh, Larry Walker for their uh, Hall of Fame inductions and performances. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then on to the NFL Conference Championship uh, recap. So both games, uh, Tennessee Titans versus the Kansas City Chiefs in the UFC Championship game, and then the uh, Green Bay Packers versus San Francisco 49ers in the NFC. Oh, I don't think we need to uh, go really in depth with the Packers and 49ers. <laughs> I would like yeah. to. <laughs> so uh, the first game, the AFC game, uh, unlike the first matchup between these two teams late in the season that ended on a blocked field goal to win the game for the Titans as time expired, this game was a blowout from the second half onward. The Cinderella team and the t- Titans didn't have any magic in the third and fourth quarters, as uh, t- Derrick Henry, who had rushed for 185 plus yards in three straight games, was held to just seven second half yards. That's crazy. That is crazy. Man. It was basically the Patrick Mahomes show, as the reigning MVP had a game turning point uh, touchdown run to close out the first half. As he tightrope down that left side sideline for the doing his Lamar Jackson impression, <laughs> yeah, <Yeah>. exactly, <laughs> and scored that uh, uh, go ahead touchdown and essentially catapulted the team to a resounding twenty 
uh, 35-24 win. And, uh, Tell me why Kansas City Chiefs run defense all of a sudden wanted to show up. I mean, all year we have been talking about ragging how, on them, yeah. yeah, ragging on them and how lackluster their defense yeah, was. Yeah, before the season started, we didn't think they, their defense would do well at all. I mean, the only person that you can say convincingly that is consistent on defense there is Tyron Matthew because he's he's just a ball hawk. Because remember, but, the the Kansas City Chiefs defense was switching from a three four to a right, four so three. A four three, and that that and that's the reason why they had to also sw- uh, uh, trade. Um, D4. Uh, D4, yeah. D4, yeah. That's why they had to trade, because D4 is definitely a 3-4 outside linebacker, yeah. in my opinion, even though I think he does a little bit of uh, uh, hand in the I dirt. I thought the Niners play at 4-3. No, I think they play at 3-4, if I remember. Mm, it's sure. a hybrid, maybe. Actually, yeah, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe three, yeah. Four. But, I mean, still, like, when, you wa- when you're watching that game, I was, I was shocked at first, because I was like, Tennessee is blowing – uh, you know, Kansas City out of the water. Now, granted, I think Kansas City had kind of had this issue throughout the season where they start off kind of slow. Mm. Um, and I, my curiosity was, my, how is Tennessee going to be able to handle Patrick Mahomes? Because Patrick Mahomes is going to go off. It's just a matter of can they get a stop against him? And they just couldn't. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes was legendary in that game. I think he had the the heart of a lion, and he he wanted to win that game so bad. Um, he, he really put it on his shoulders, and he—I mean—he just—he drove his team to victory. Um, I remember that long, deep—I um, think it was like a 65-yard touchdown. You're just looking at him throw the pass, and I mean, it's—you know it. Like when it leaves his hand, you know it's a touchdown because it's like he, he can throw farther than most people in the league. And he, it was just a, a fantastic performance by Patrick Mahomes. It I is. thought the defense stepped up and did some really good things against the Titans. Ryan Tannehill was kind of brought back down to earth. I mean, he, he was. Really yeah, I know. Been amazing before, and I think that's something that they'll probably address in the off season because um, I think that's the next step for Tannehill's the Titans. Staying, they made. I think they made it clear that Tannehill's going to stay. The big question he's is, he's going to if if they're if they're going to have him stay. My question is, how long is he going to stay? And then also, is he going to improve as a quarterback? Because the thing is, is that. I love the I love the Titans. I love their formula. They have a really good offensive line, really good defense, and really good running game. But guess who else has a really good offense, a really good deep, or a really really good offensive line, really good defense, a really good running game? That's the Baltimore Ravens. And I do believe that the Baltimore Ravens, if they ever face each, each other, the Titans and the Ravens in the playoffs, the Ravens are going to win that game. So I, even and I don't think by the Titans. Yeah. Even though they even though they got eliminated by the Titans, but I don't see that happening again. I per I personally don't see that happening. I think that's more inexperience on the side of okay. you know the Lamar Jackson and a couple other okay. other things. Fair enough. Um, for my take, uh, Titans. Uh, it was impressive their Cinderella story, but all stories must come to an end. Derrick Henry, 19 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. Um, despite that, he still had a terrific season, and he basically proved to everybody, every team, that he should be compensated for what he's worth. He's ba- he basically told every NFL team, especially the Titans, pay me, pay me. <laughs> you want to sign me? Pay me the amount that I want to that I deserve to be compensated, and show me that you want me. Yep. Only problem is, hopefully he doesn't pull on uh, Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott situation. I don't think, well, I don't think he's going that. I don't think he's going that route. So here's the thing, though, with Ezekiel. So it's it's different because 
Le'Veon Bell, it didn't work out. But Ezekiel Elliott, it did because he got a huge contract. But that was like – But, for but he missed like training camp and the pieces. He missed training camp, but it was – I mean, it ended up working out well because he got a six-year, $90 million It was contract. impressive that he didn't get so, injured because most uh, – for a lot of players, the track record is if you hold out, the moment you come back, you suffered an injury. Zeke – one thing I've learned about Zeke is he's very durable. He is one of the most durable running backs that I've seen in quite some time. And so – if you if you're that type of running back, you can take those kind of opportunities, those kind of risks. But I do agree. Hopefully, they can sign him earlier rather than later. So that would be best for so, both sides. Um, Nathan, I want to ask you something because in our fantasy, you had Sammy Watkins. Yes. How, how did it feel to see Sammy Watkins get seven catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown? So, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> I I don't have words for him most times because there are times where I'm just like Sammy, you are way too talented to be getting zero catches for zero yards, and it's been like that for like two targets, like fourteen of the seventeen weeks or sixteen exactly. weeks. He's way too talented for him not to be impressing. But every once in a while, He'll we get up. these games where Sammy Watkins all of a sudden wants to be some number one wide receiver. And Nathan always falls for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't have words for Sammy Watkins. I just hope the best for him, and I hope he continues to improve and continues to play hard and maybe become consistent. Okay. We always pick on Nathan because of this, because he keeps drafting Sammy Watkins, and it just doesn't work well, out. Well, I'm hoping on Sammy Watkins. I'm trying to give him hope. You know, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to give him hope. No. And he's just not giving me much hope right, right now. Now, to be serious, Sammy Watkins did prove that he could he could be a great target for uh, Patrick Mahomes. So hopefully you can oh, see this in the Super Bowl. The, the great thing about Patrick Mahomes is that he makes his targets great. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Nicole Hardman. Nobody had heard of, about him before. Um, for Patrick Mahomes, Demarcus Robinson. So he he puts a lot of his wide receivers in great positions, and we have to give credit to Andy Reid. Andy Reid um, has brought this the the West Coast offense and stylized it to Patrick Mahomes fitting, and they have what they have, which is a great offense. Well, we'll see if the if the Kansas City Chiefs can win the Super Bowl in two weeks, and I think it's their first Super Bowl uh, appearance since. Yeah, since the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. Since one of the first Super Bowls. And yeah. hopefully, let's see if Andy Reid can finally win the Super Bowl. I hope so. Yep, he missed it his last chance, and now it's with a banged-up Donovan McNabb and a, a Terrell Owens Maybe with, Terrell a, Owens, with yeah. a broken ankle. Right. This is going to be a tough one, though. Yep, and uh, the other on the other side, in the NFC, we have the Packers and 49ers. This game got out of hand very quickly. Yep. It was deja vu from November 24th. Yep. There's just something about Rodgers and the 49ers. As uh, his team got decimated in both matchups, the team, uh, the Packers lost 37-8 in their first meeting, and as Paula mentioned, and they were down 27 nothing at halftime yep. in this game. The, the Packers ended up losing 37-20, but the main story out of this game was uh, the backup running back, Raheem Mostert, who was basically thrust into the full-time uh, load after teammate Tevin Coleman left the game after, in the first half after suffering a separated shoulder. It looked bad. Yeah. 
looked bad. He was carted off, uh, taken off on the yeah. Yeah, uh, you you thought it was a risk then when you saw the car coming out. You're like, wait, why does he need a car for a risk? <laughs> yeah, and so it turns out to be a separated shoulder. Yes. But despite that, the the team and Kyle Shanahan thinks he can go for the Super Bowl in two weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll yeah. see determined. <laughs> so uh, Mostert, uh, who was. Uh, who mentioned that he was cut by five, six teams prior to the season, yep. had an NFL playoff best 220 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Yep. And, and imagine the fantasy points that comes out of yeah, that. That's insane fantasy points. And I, you have to – hats off to the 49ers offensive line. You could tell Monster was very, um, was very thankful to them because he gave them the ball each and every time to spike the ball. I think four different offensive linemen on, on those touchdown celebrations – <laughs> and they were fantastic blocking. I mean, you you saw the zone blocking by the offensive line. There was huge gaping holes. And the great thing about that is that when you have a, a back like Mostert who has great speed, he can take one cut, hit the hole, and he's he's down 20 yards field before you know it. And you, you, you barely even saw him hit the hole. So it's like it's amazing what a combination of a running back – who knows and fits the zone scheme and has the speed to capitalize on that with a great offensive line. And it's just dangerous because he's just one back that they have in their stable. They have Brita. They have Tevin Coleman. They have several, Jeff several Jeff Wilson. They have several backs in their, in their stable um, that they can go to at any time. Um, and most of it has track speed. I mean, that guy is a guy is very fast. He's quick. Um, and he's really uh, quick off the ball. So it, it's going to be – they're going to be tough to beat, so, no doubt. San Francisco has always done a running back by committee this season. I think after a performance like that, you got to give Mostert uh, the keys to be the starting running back, even if Tevin Coleman were to come back. And I have to get, be impressed with uh, Kyle Shanahan because um, I've been a critic of him and, and his time in Washington – and what, one of that was that when the running game gets yeah, going, yeah. he goes away from it because he likes to call pass-happy stuff. And he did that with Atlanta. Yeah. And I think learning from that Super Bowl loss yeah. against the Patriots, not running the ball, Enough. Uh, just ignoring the running game right. is not going to work. So um, in this second – when you have the offensive line that you have. Yep. So with the Redskins and with the Falcons and now with the 49ers. So as he became a head coach and suffered two losing seasons uh, this year, he learned that, you know what, I like to call pass plays, but I cannot keep ignoring the run game. So he stuck to the run game, and I got to give him credit for it. I mean, look where it has led him, and he's now in the Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. Yep, and so we we have a Super Bowl rematch, uh, Super Bowl matchup between one of the greatest defenses all season in the 49ers. We didn't mention Nick Bosa and what he's done with the team uh, against the Packers. Uh, He was a menace in the backfield. Just, just beating Aaron Rodgers a lot. He yeah. made Aaron. They made Aaron Rodgers look like a pedestrian quarterback, and it's just like I mean, it was all game. To be honest, he looked like David Carr. He looked like David <laughs> Carr, and it's funny because you look at the stats and they'll tell you something else. But anybody who watched the game could tell like Aaron Rodgers was just not clicking. He's yeah, not so, clicking. I mean, that defensive line: Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, yeah. Eric. Um, Ar- Armstead, Armstead yep. 
and then you had Quan Alexander D Ford. Right. Oh boy. Solomon and D Thomas Ford playing here. against his former team. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. No, but he has no love lost. He understands <laughs> his business. Now, before we move I'm on, I'm sure he's going to be hungry. Yeah, uh, against a high octane Chiefs offense. Now, before we move on, I did see like on social media there there's like a account called NFL Memes, and I thought it was funny. Um, they showed like Aaron Rodgers getting sacked by uh, multiple 49ers players. And they put uh, if Aaron Rodgers had Allstate instead of State Farm, he would be protected from mayhem. Yeah, like I saw that one. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That's pretty funny. That's pretty. Funny. <laughs> Not for Aaron Rodgers though. Yeah. And there's nothing that could protect Aaron Rodgers. That at was that a nightmare. Point. They, that was a nightmare was, for him. Yeah, that was a that was a nightmare for him. They he needs to wake up very soon. So that, yeah, that offensive line uh, got embarrassed. Bakhtiari. Um, I think Luana. the I think the Packers were exposed. That's honestly what mm-hmm. I think happened. Yeah, their thirteen and fourteen and three record or whatever was was very misleading in that respect. I mean, Samir made a yes. good point earlier that. Uh, it, it looks like the 49ers has uh, Rodgers' number. I mean, I remember uh, the matchups between Rodgers and uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I think I was looking up the set. I don't think Colin Kaepernick ever lost to the Packers. Well, I think what I think what the 49ers did is they forced um, they forced Rodgers to keep passing, and not only that, but they it, it's the pressure aspect. Eh? Obviously, that you know you have to have a talented defensive line in order to get to Rodgers, but. I think they understood that the more pressure that we can put on Rodgers, the better, because Rodgers doesn't move necessarily the way he used to. He, he still moves fairly well, but he doesn't move um, nearly the way he used to. And if you could shake him up a little bit, if you can beat him on third downs, you know, make sure he doesn't convert on third downs, then um, you've got a winning formula. And then obviously you want to keep the pedal to the metal. You want to have the, you want to be winning the time of possession throughout the game, which is what the 49ers did well, which was run the game or run the ball. And when you do that, you can you can start pulling away. Yep. I mean, but uh, Paolo mentioned that the 49ers have their number. Not necessarily, as I just looked up the head-to-head matchups over the past, like, four or five years. They're basically uh, – 49ers are, uh, I want to say, five and uh, two against the uh, Packers over the past uh, – Seven years. So yeah, they do have their number, but Packers have their. No, no, the Forty Niners have the Packers number. I said like it it seems like the Niners had Rodgers' number. And that seems to be the case. Six and or five and uh, two over the past six games. Yep. Or seven games. And I, I, uh, dating back all the way to 2013. And I think, um, Mike, I was telling Samir, I think uh, Colin Kaepernick is undefeated against the Packers. Yeah, he went uh, three and zero from. 2012 to 2013. It's impressive. Yep. And so we – I also want to give a shout-out to the Pro Bowl weekend is this week. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. One is that the popular skills challenge returns tomorrow night. You have the same kind of challenges, the QB accuracy challenge, the one where the QB and the receiver have to make certain catches in uh, increasing harder order. Then you also have the uh, relay race, which is also very popular, yeah. uh, and, and then finishing off with dodgeball. Yeah. But they always have this once a year. I like dodgeball. Uh, yep, that's always the fun thing. But they always have this once a year uh, event that's really random and out of the pick and out of the blue. I remember one year it was kicker tic tac toe, where they had to uh, oh, kickers right. had to line up and kick a field uh, kick a field goal to match a certain grid to ma- right. to get their X or that to was get their uh, ball. Very interesting. Yeah. There was that. There was also the drone challenge, where basically a drone was in in the increasing uh, height, 
when the ball would be dropped and the uh, receiver had to catch it. I believe Odell won that drill contest. And then they had the water balloon relay, which was a really pathetic one last year because essentially was it, the, like, was it like a water balloon toss? It was basically you had a, water, a bucket of water balloons for the FC NFC with like uh, the NFC players, NFC players in a uh, basically in a line. Yeah. And then you had the two cap, the two captains of each uh, the, uh, conference, coach, uh, former players in a bucket. But the thing was, the bucket would only go up to the guy's waist if they weren't say for fully dunked. Oh my goodness! So once it was dunked, you could see them standing in the yeah, water, in the water. <laughs> like this. Fail. I know that was a big disappointment. I so, will say this: I, I appreciate that they are trying to, you know, you know, get some new ideas going. I personally think the only idea that really sticks for me is the dodgeball mm. one. And that's because I absolutely dodge, love dodgeball. You guys remember when you were in elementary school, yep. middle school, and you'd have your dodgeball oh, fights yeah. in PE. I was like hitting people. Oh, yeah, you loved hitting people. And that's the most. And that's when you can actually see their athletic ability because guys are jumping, guys are doing all flips and stuff like that. Some of the arms that you see on some of these guys. It's surprising because you know, sometimes even the kickers or punters are the best ones that yeah, throw the ball. Which is crazy. It's it's always crazy to see because they you know they want to try to show off a little bit because they they spend most of the season kicking and punting so they you know they get the arms yeah, fresh and everything like that. They don't get so, into the scrum. Yeah, they don't get into the scrum. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm not so sure about some of the other ones. But yeah, we'll those are the years past. So in, the, in its place is a thread the needle game. Where basically it's kind of like the uh, the QB hitting the targets, except there's a defender in the way, trying to block those passes. So that's right. a new game that they're putting in this year. That should be interesting. But yeah, my favorite one in uh, years past and in this year is always the real is always the uh, obstacle course one, mm-hmm. yeah. where you have the uh, defenders going through like pillars and then uh, going through an obstacle course and then uh, reeling it onto the other de- uh, players mm-hmm. in that same. Conference, so yeah, that's my favorite one. That one is interesting. But yeah, going back to that thread the needle game, it's kind of similar to the Madden mini game, where instead of a jugs machine, they're using actual QBs. Nice. So, and then the second point I wanted to make is that the Pro Bowl game is having a different uh, rule in place for instead of kickoffs because they don't do kickoffs in the in the Pro Bowl. So instead, they're going to you have this situation. Either the uh, they're going to have the uh, team that uh, scored, the receiving team get the ball at the 25-yard line, first down, kind of similar to what it would be if there was no kickoff. But the other rule is that the uh, scoring team would have fourth down and 15 from their own 25-yard line. So they would basically keep the ball, and if they make the fourth down, they would keep the possession. So if they get like a, a field goal, if they get the touchdown yeah. instead of a kickoff, they would get the ball first down at the or fourth down and fifteen at their own twenty-five yard line. But if they don't get it, is it turned? Yeah, it's a turnover. Yeah, yeah, line? and it would give it back. It's basically like a, instead of the onside kick, you're doing a fourth and fifteen play from your own twenty-five. I'm not sure. I I. I don't know if I like that. I'm not sure I like that. I, I think I, I get why they're cutting out kickoffs because they're trying to reduce injuries. And and, injuries and the other thing is also the uh, players for, are entering free agency. And also because the uh, onside kick is having lower and lower success rate as of late. And that's that's understandable, but I I personally like that. And plus, 
I like the onside kick personally, and I I think um, if you have a good kicker that is able to successfully execute that, I think you I think it can be successful. But I think that takes away something from the kickers as well as uh, other special teamers who make the Pro Bowl when you take away kick return, punt return, because guys like Devin Hester, you know, they made the Pro Bowl because of their kick return ability. They're fantastic kick returners. And now that whole element of football has kind of been almost eliminated, where that used to be a huge, a big part um, of football. We used to see Dev, guys like Devin Hester, Dante Hall of, of, of 100 years ago. I mean, so many guys that would be um, that would be elected to the um, to All Star because of their special teams uh, performance, and I think that's important. The special teams is very important. So, I mean, I get why they're doing it. I just feel like that aspect is being left out, and that's too bad. Yeah, your thoughts, Paulo, on this uh, weird change that they're doing a fourth and fifteen instead of an onside kick? I'm still trying to process that because I don't know what to think of it. But uh, I would rather look at. I don't know what to think of it. I'm probably going to have to take a look and see how it looks. And I'll probably, uh, I will probably share that in the next episode. Yeah, after the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, it's a new change. It's a new twist. I think the Denver Broncos wanted this to be introduced in during the uh, rule, uh, during the, what do you call it, the front office or whatever, when they meet up together last offseason. I know the NFL is just trying new things because... Uh, the, the Pro Bowl is not as uh, exciting as it used to be. No, but they always have these experiments, the yeah. Pro Bowl. Because I remember in past years they had like a one where there was like a running clock no matter what. And there oh, yeah. were so many different well, yeah, I've always said with football, it's it's one of those things where unless the guys want to come and play and, com- and compete, you're not going to really get them or get the Pro Bowl to be that Because the season's because, over. It's before the right. Super Bowl. They're entering free agency. They don't it's want an injury. That'll, yeah. They don't want an injury that will hinder their, uh, their contract talks. either because they were playing a Pro Bowl game that they're not paid for. So it's just not – it's one of those things with, with football. It's just – it's going to be harder for them to do. Mm-hmm. Now, if they play a flag football game – I mean, that, but people won't come and watch that either. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I just that's why the skills that. challenge is so much more fun to watch yeah, than rather than right, the Pro Bowl. And again, with the Pro Bowl, how they made it a joke last year is that you had players like Ezekiel Z- uh, Elliott, uh, Saquon Barkley, Kamara, yeah. and Mike Evans all play defense. Right. <laughs> I mean, they like were I really said. they were really pulling around. I, I thought. I mean, it's it's funny when you when you see it initially, but then when you yeah, think about it, so it's you just like keep man, on seeing yeah, it. They're really, yeah, this is not serious. It's because, like, yeah, it's it becomes a farce. Right, it becomes a farce. It just becomes like said, less than real. I've got other things I'd rather see. Like I said, they have that's to the reason why the game, the Pro Bowl game has not been good. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now, uh, in terms of games that we like, we have the birthday game. All right, All right. let's do it. Happy birthday to everybody born on January 22nd. Yeah, Yeah. Okay, so we have uh, one second. My own mother is her birthday. Ah, oh, very oh, nice. Happy birthday. Even though she's all the way in Peru, right? Yeah, yeah she's in Peru right now. Um, with your sister? Yes. They're both in Peru, so my father and I didn't get to celebrate with them. But we uh, we called them just uh, say, we called her to say happy birthday. Awesome. It was nice. Uh, That's good. Okay, so on the slate we have uh, eight uh, birthdays. First off, the oldest on the list is 
George Seifert, who you may recall is the uh, current uh, Panthers GM and former uh, 49ers and Panthers head coach. He won the Super Bowl with the 49ers as, as a head coach twice. But since he's a GM, how old is he? I think I went first last he, week. So. No, I think Paulo went first last week. Really? So we'll have Nathan go first. Okay. I'll, I'll go 67. I, I think he's going to be older than the 50s. Yeah, I was thinking like that too. I'm I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go actually sixty three. Final answers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he is actually uh, at twenty years, eighty years old. Whoa, wow. George Seifert. Yeah. Next up, we're going to the opposite side of the uh, age spectrum with this uh, guy who's a whose band name is Logic. He's actually from the Gaithersburg area, and his real name is Sir Robert Bryson Hall II. You're talking about Logic the Rapper? Yeah. Oh, okay. So how old is this rapper, Rod Logic? Logic the Rapper, yeah. I had I have some a couple stories about him, yeah, but so I won't Paolo, show now. Paolo goes first. Basically around our age. Intent. Because yeah. I have a friend who's who actually worked – was a mem- is a member of that band yeah. of the with the All rapper. Right. I'm gonna go um, thirty. Nathan. Um, I'm gonna go twenty-eight. Oh, hey, there you go. Thirty on the dot. Next up, we're going to the other end of the spectrum again. Uh, this guy is the lead singer of Journey, Steve Perry. Oh, Steve. Don't stop believing. Don't stop. Yep. How old is Steve Perry? Steve Perry. Oh, my goodness. Oh. 80s band, essentially. Yep. He's got to be up there. He's got, yeah, he's got to be up there. Um, I'm going to guess uh, 65. Paolo? I'm going to go 72. Ooh, so close, Paolo. He is 71. Oh. <laughs> Next up, we have the guy that looks like he's 71. Current Ohio State assistant head coach, former number one overall pick by the Blazers, Greg Oden. <laughs> he looks like he's 71. Yeah, he looks like he's 71 since he was 20 years old. Yep, um, could have had a great NBA career if it wasn't for the injuries. Yep, so of course. His body was like a China plate. <laughs> China plate in an earthquake. All right, I'm going to go 33 for Greg Oden. I'm going to go 35. Paolo, one off again. 32. Oh. <laughs> Close. Next up, this is the... Last one out of the uh, – yeah, I know. He's uh, closer to our age, 32, because yeah. he was the same year as Kevin Durant. That's right. Same, same draft year. Next up, we have uh, the last uh, non-sports-related guy. You you actually have heard of him on TV quite often. He's a chef, Guy Fieri, guy with a gray beard yeah. and uh, gray goatee. We're cooking here with diner, uh, diner drive-ins and dives. My dad watched the cooking show. I don't, I don't, so... 
Oh, Guy Fieri is awesome. Yeah, he's basically white our parents' hair. age. Yeah, white yeah. hair, white uh, goatee. Yeah, like, oh, that guy. With glasses, yeah. Never mind. I, I have seen him because yeah. my father watches him. Yeah. So <laughs> passing, I haven't seen Yeah, he's a... Just his face is just I mean, unrecognized. Is recognizable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> loves his fried foods. Yeah, he loves his fried foods. Nathan first? Um, man, I watch his show all the time, but I never really figured out his age. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably in his 50s. I'll say 58. Um, Watch him be older than that. He's a little younger than that. I'm going to go 52. Wow, Paolo. That's oh, man. two. Very nice. And Nathan's Dang. over. And the next three are all baseball yeah. players. Baseball. Next up is an Orioles uh, ex-Orioles pitcher. Who uh, played on the Rockies as well? Um, had a dreadful world uh, wild card game against the Blue Jays. Ubaldo Jimenez. He last played, I believe, in like the mid 2010s, I want to say. I'm going to go 41. Nathan? I'm going to go 38. 36. And now Nathan's turn. This player was the former Angels Mariners third baseman, played from 2002 to 2014, and was on the Hall of Fame ballot. Sean Figgins. Mm. I'm going to guess 36. All right. I'm going to go 38. Yep. Uh, so you guys are actually a little off. He's 42. Whoa. A little off. <laughs> yep. Sarcasm. (laughs) This guy is in the middle of both those ages. He is a catcher for the uh, Phillies from 2006 to 2015. Mm -hmm. Last played with the Dodgers in 2017. Carlos Ruiz. I said he's in the middle, so that's the biggest hint. 34. Uh, 39. 41. Oh, man. And so... That wraps. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I so Paolo wins two nothing, and now the series I believe is one one and one. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it's all knotted up this year. So each of you guys has a win. When you said twenty seventeen, I was like, okay, maybe mid thirties. Yeah, but he's an old catcher, Carlos Carlos Luis, forty one. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there. <laughs> yeah, but there's playing for so long. There's so many times with retirees, I put I I say forties, and, and they're in their thirties. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Greg Oden, how he's 32. Because you never, you never know with like baseball players, especially because it's like they can go on for forever. Like it's not like other sports. Although now, I mean, <laughs> you're seeing football players go on for you know ages as well as basketball players. So things are yep. Look at Vince Carter and whatnot. Yeah, seriously. So speaking of which, we have the NBA to transition to, and we're going to be talking about the All Star Game starters as. That announcement is coming basically 24 hours from this recording. and But it's pretty clear who we know the two captains are going to be. That is one, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the uh, number one team in the uh, Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. And then the other uh, European uh, player who plays on the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Donicic. So both are, like, oh, both are in the top three in uh, MVP voting if you're to end the season right now. But I believe those two are going to be your two captains for the All-Star game. 
And so, and my other point is, that if you were to rewind just a handful of years ago, everyone would be wondering who are these two guys leading the All Star, right. Arjun Gupo and Doncic, because they were no namers like five, six years ago. But regardless, these are the two captains. And as for my guesses as to who will join them as starters from the Eastern Conference, I have Trey Young, the the uh, basically the Stephen Curry clone who plays on the uh, Atlanta Hawks, joined by Kemba Walker from the uh, Boston Celtics. Those are my two guards. And along with Giannis, Pascal Siakam, who's had an outstanding year for the Raptors yet again, even though he has missed a chunk of the season. And uh, the center would be Joel, or the big man would be Joel Embiid. For sure. My honorable mention, just to uh, give a shout-out, would be... uh, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, and Fred Van Fleet for the guards. And Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Domatis Sabanis, who's the uh, power forward or center for the uh, uh, Pacers. So what are, And so my other thing is that I'm not showing any love for Kyrie Irving, even though he is the second in Eastern Conference guards in voting as of last week. And Bradley Beal, who's ninth. Because they don't deserve to start because they've missed a significant chunk of the season due to injuries. So, Nathan, your picks for the Eastern Conference starters. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to go um, Taco Fall here. I mean, he's had a fantastic <laughs> As a tall seven-footer. You know, yeah, as a tall, the tall seven-footer, you know, averaging three points, around eight rebounds a game. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, this is pretty clear cut. I'm going to go Trey Young um, as the guard starter. Um, if Kyrie wasn't injured throughout the season, he'd definitely be here, but that's not the case. So I'm going Kemba Walker, although I believe Zach Levine should really be there. Mm. Oh, yeah, um, he he's might. Had a yeah. fantastic season. Because this is, game is points. taking place in Chicago. It's taking place in Chicago, so I would not be surprised to see him start there. He's averaging 25 points, 4.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He's been fantastic for Chicago. Um, um, Giannis, obviously, is the... Giannis, obviously, um, that's a given. Um, Pascal Siakam definitely um, deserves the other forward spot. And then Joel Embiid is definitely going to be the center. So, Trey Young, Kemba Walker. uh, No, you know, I'm not going to put Kemba Walker. I'm going to go Trey Young, Zach Zach Levine, Levine. um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pascal Siakam, and and Joel Embiid. So much for that. <laughs> no, you can copy. It's not, isn't Because <laughs> there's right. not much of a – there's a big difference yeah. between the starters. Oh, and... with my honor, I have one honorable mention, and that's Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. has been fantastic for Miami. Miami is one of the top teams in the East, and Jimmy Butler is a big reason for that. He's my honorable mention. Yeah, but I don't see him cracking a lineup with uh, Giannis, Siakam, and No, MB. that's why he's my honorable yeah. mention, because so, he, he's not, he's not going to – Okay, at least for me – well, Trio's a no-brainer. Um, definitely Kemba, but I'm going to go somewhere different. Who's your other guard? I'm going to go with his teammate, Jalen Brown. Mm, Trey Young, Jalen Brown, Giannis, and then who Giannis, are you? Giannis, Pascal. Oh, so you're, stick, you're sticking with Siakam. And, yeah, I, like, I like Siakam. And center? Actually, hold on. Actually, I'm going to switch it up. Instead of uh, Jalen Brown, I'm actually am going to put Jimmy Butler. Okay, so Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Pascal, Pascal and who's your center? Joel Embiid. Mm. So you're not showing any love for Andre Drummond. Drummond has – I have to give it to him. First of all, he's he's set records at yeah. um, rebounding. 
um, throughout the season. Um, he's been actually really good for Detroit. It's just unfortunate that, that Detroit hasn't been winning. So it's been in losing efforts. And that's the reason why um, I think Joe Embiid is not over over Andre Drummond because his team hasn't been winning. So, uh, but on the other hand, you have Trey Young, who's on the worst uh, Eastern Conference team. Yeah, but the difference between <laughs> that is like Trey Young, like Andre Drummond's numbers are, are pretty good, but Trey Young's numbers are phenomenal, and especially for at his age, what he's doing. I mean, he's got the best numbers in the East. So I basically, mean, other than Giannis Antetokounmpo, so that's the only reason why I feel like he probably will get the nod over top most other people because he literally has the best numbers in the East. So it's like Andre Drummond. I think he's averaging 16 to 18 and like uh, two blocks a game, which is which is which is really good. But if he was averaging like 20 and 20. He definitely would be considered mm, just said, um, in there. You but, compare yeah, uh, how Trey Young, the, the records from Trey Young to Andre Drummond, everyone's going to go uh, Trey Young. Andre Drummond is great, but like Nathan said, I think because he's on the Detroit Pistons, is working against him. You can say the same thing for Bradley Beal with the Wizards. Yeah, yeah but Bradley Beal has been injured, so that's why – he hasn't been included as much. Yeah, but he's yeah. not getting um, a lot of votes that he would get as opposed to like a Trey Young, like right. a like a Jimmy Butler. I was talking about that. You can also add the fact that Trey Young seems to have more star power, at least. True. Yeah. Um, so he, and he attracts more because he's a little bit more electric. And that's the so thing for with an the, all-star game. He's the perfect pick. That's the thing with the vote when it comes to all-star voting. Yeah. It's, it, it always it's not all NBA. NBA. It's, it's popularity. It's oh yeah. Popular, so, okay. Because yeah. you have all-star yeah. games within sports. It all comes down to star power. And Trey Young is in that category. Exactly. Because if you remember, it's not all fan voting. It's like a, a third of fan voting, a third uh, players and coaches, and a third the media. Yeah. So they average it out, basically. And you're seeing a lot of coverage on Trey Young. Yep. A lot more than Drummond. NBA Jump talks about him <laughs> all the time. Him and John Morant. In the West? Yep. In the West, uh, Western Conference. You could say the starting five could all be uh, MVPs yep. in the running for MVP. So for me, it's uh, James Harden, Luka Doncic, who's going to be the captain, LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. With honorable mentions given to Damian Lillard, who's had a heck of a had a heck of a game uh, a few days ago. I'm going to get into that later. Uh, John Morant, who's basically the uh, front runner for MV- for Rookie of the Year, and Donovan Mitchell. And with the uh, big guys being Paul George, Nikola Jokic, and Brandon Ingram as honorable mention. So, Nathan, actually, no, we'll give it to Paolo this time. Your thoughts on the Western Conference, who you think will be in the Western Conference starters, aside from Doncic? This is always tough, because the West is stacked with tons of talent. Exactly, it's top-heavy. For many years, you have the Western Conference always uh, blowing away the Eastern Conference. Yep. So it's the same way this year. It's really tough. Now, easy choices: Luka Doncic. I will put James Harden there. Um, and LeBron <laughs> seems yeah. like a no-brainer. Yeah, Luka, Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James. I would like to put Paul George, but he's been injured, so I'm not going to put him there. So, who's your power forward slash big man slash center? Two positions left. Yeah, I'm gonna go Anthony Davis, LeBron's teammate. I mean, I was doing, I was debating between him and Porzingis, but I think uh, 
You're going to star power. You got to go Anthony Davis. Yeah. And then the last guy, Jokic. Mm. So you're going with yeah with the uh, Denver guy over uh, Kawhi Leonard, which is very interesting. Oh wait, because you said James Harden, Luka Doncic, LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, and Jokic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I told you it's it's tough it's to tough. pick. Yeah. I mean, I would put Kawhi Leonard there, but I already have Luka, uh, Harden, and uh, James. So there's already no. Really, no room. Mm. So, your th- uh, Nathan, your picks? Um, my picks. I mean, it's it's pretty clear cut for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Carmelo Anthony, uh, Dwight <laughs> Howard, Alex Caruso. I mean, you talk about all stars. <laughs> I can't even say that with the straight. Dwight Howard. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, he has he is in the he running has for a most lot of votes. All right, don't don't cut him. He has sixty nine thousand votes. That's considerable. It's it's enough for ten. So, but he's far anyway. from his uh, from his Orlando Magic days. No, but he'll be definitely in the running for most. I mean, Alex Caruso, guys. We're talking <laughs> about the MVP of the league. Anyways, no, I think it's going to be uh, Luka Doncic, James Harden at the guards, although I would really like to give an honorable mention to Damian Lillard because not only has he been fantastic of late, but he's been fantastic through the entirety of the season. He's what's keeping the poor of the Trailblazers afloat. Yeah, I know, despite like t- seven, eight injuries on the team. So, Tons of injuries. Just just to mention something, I will say, since Samir did go honorable mentions, I will go two honorable mentions, Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard. For sure. Mm-hmm. Again. It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. Exactly. What's this stack of uh, uh, players? It's very tough to pick. I mean, these are some elite players. Um, My other honorable mention for the guard is John Morant. Um, The reason why I I honorable mention him over the guards that are listed below is because of how he leads his team at at such a young age. Um, He's been playing fantastic basketball. Not only do his stats show it, but it's just his leadership throughout. He's going to be an all-star for years to come. I mean, his uh, his uh, acrobatic shots or whatever, his passing ability. It's just that he, he's, he's got an instinct for basketball that at his age, you just wouldn't assume that a guy his age would have. And he's got such a fire, too. Reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook in that. Mm. But he's a little bit more savvy than Russell when it comes to um, operating with the basketball. Yeah, he's um, not as physical. He's more like... He's Finesse. And I think he's a slightly better three-point shooter. I only say slightly better because he needs to improve in that aspect. Mm-hmm. But he's slightly better three-point shooter. So I'm really – I'm so excited to see him going forward. And then for my uh, forwards, I have LeBron James, obviously. Um, I have Anthony Davis at my power forward, and I have Carl Anthony Towns at my center. Ooh, even though he's – I know. Even yeah. though he's missed as many games as, like, uh, say, Kyrie Irving or Bradley Beal. I know. Yeah. He, he has. But he has been the most consistent center um, in the Western Conference. Um, and I can see some people having, you know, Anthony Davis at center and Kawhi Leonard at power forward or as the as the other forward position. But if we're going to go true five, my my starting five, I'm going to go with the true center. I'm going to go with the, a true power forward. And I think those guys are the ones that fit. Kawhi Leonard would be my honorable mention, although he's been on and off with obviously load management. But he's had some fantastic games. Paul George is another guy you could talk about. Brandon Ingram, I want I want to also talk about briefly. He's averaging 25.9 points. The Pelicans are recently having resurgence as they've won 10 of their last 14 games. Yeah, and he's been on a tear. I mean, he's he's been completely 
I don't recognize him from the. From I know when he was with the LA. Lakers. I don't but recognize I told him. People, this so many times. <laughs> you guys remember, I talked about this on the podcast so many times that Brandon Ingram was eventually going to become an All Star, and I said I don't want to trade Brandon Ingram for this specific reason. <laughs> but then and you so, have to deal with Kyle Kuzma being traded, which is also another key piece. He's another key piece. I didn't want Kyle Kuzma to be traded either, but I knew this was going to happen eventually. Brandon Ingram, he's just too talented. And he reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant and his ability to just be able to score at will. And that's what he's doing right now. With this slender, tall frame. With this slender, <laughs> tall frame. But not only that, it was just his It was his, his acceleration um, towards the basket, his ability to use um, use his length to kind of move, you know, forward and backwards. And he's got great ball handling skills for somebody his height. So it was just – I, I love – I, 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 it's bittersweet because I love seeing Brandon Ingram play the way I believe he was capable of playing. But at the same time, I wish he was on the Lakers playing that way. But it is what it is. I wanted to give a shout-out to him because I think he definitely des- deserves an all-star nod. Um, he's been, he's been that good. This I mean, season. it happens in sports. I mean, talk, you're talking to two Redskins fans who have to see uh, Reds uh, players leave the Redskins and then they succeed somewhere else. Yeah, it's just the way it happened. I, <laughs> the way it happened was so it was just so wrong. And Lonzo Ball has been playing well late as well. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. But yeah, look, you, you knew that in order, in order for the Lakers to get Anthony Davis, they have to do whatever they yes. can to get him. And you knew that had that meant parting ways with a Brandon Ingram and a Josh Hart and possibly Kyle Kuzma. But they chose to keep Kyle Kuzma instead of Brandon Ingram. And as a Laker fan, I probably shouldn't be griping because they're they, they have number one to in the conference. Make the championship. But yeah. the thing is, for me, is I think going forward and future, and this this will. Last them for two, three seasons. Then when LeBron retires, is Anthony Davis going to resign with us? Because I know he's not going to sign some five-year, six-year contract without having another All-Star on the team. But that's other questions for other days. But yep. But moving on to other NBA news. So uh, since we are on the topic of the Pelicans, we have one Pelican making his season debut tonight. That is one yep. Zion Williamson, the right. heralded rookie from Duke who will play tonight against the San Antonio Spurs at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. A must-watch for all because we've seen his uh, summer league uh, games and preseason games. He was electric with those dunks he made. Uh, He had a steal, I believe, one in the inbounds and then immediately dunked it on on top of a player. And he had one of the bad, had he played uh, the beginning of the season to now without um, missing any games due to injury? That he was going to get voted in because of star power. Uh, voted into uh, All Star game, it would be yeah. he would be up there. But yeah, he may have been an All Star, possibly a starter based on uh, if he had been playing like the way he has been in the preseason. So I, I personally love Zion. I love the type the type of game that he brings because it's a it's a game that physicality you don't really get to see yeah. much yet. Yeah, his physicality. Um, but if I'm going to be honest, I don't think initially he's going to be a stat getter. So I think no, I think no. he will. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't know. Like I I I hope I'm wrong, but I just I feel like initially his his stuff is not going to show up on his stats. He's going to be a very energy hustle guy, and he's going to be he's going to remind me a lot of Julius Randle except more explosive. 
and I know people have heard that comparison before, but that's honestly what I see because he's a go he's a go getter when he's down at the basket. He's physical. He gets rebounds. That's exactly what Julius Randle was able to do. He's he finishes well around the basket. So I think I I do I'm not I'm not sure if he would have made the All Star game. That I'm not exactly sure, but I do think he would have definitely been in the running for Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. if not the leader. Um, and he he would have been impressive, obviously, you know, for a rookie season. So, but he's I mean he's he's showing he's I think he's going to show up this you know today. Um, every time we've seen him, he plays hard regardless. Um, so I'm very much excited to see him get, play against the Spurs. I hope that he gets. I mean, I yeah, he yeah. he's he's not going to play thirty minutes. He's not going to play thirty minutes in the Spurs yeah. game. He'll play like uh, a minimum of maybe. ten. He's minimum of ten, maximum yeah. of probably like twenty twenty five. Yeah. But yeah, it will be nice to see him with him and uh, Ingram yeah, with uh, Drew Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday now back. JJ, JJ, JJ no, JJ is questionable for tonight. But yeah, yeah but those four. When, when JJ yeah, when he's healthy. Comes back. Yeah. But yeah, but those four uh, against the Spurs who have been uh, uh, kind of I know, but still twenty-seven record. Yeah, way below five hundred. Ten yeah. games below five hundred, but. Yeah, it should be an exciting game nevertheless. And I did want to point out the Damian Lillard game uh, a few days ago. He had his second career 60-plus point game, finishing with 61 points in a 129-124 overtime win against the Warriors at home. He was unconscious. I know. He had that unbelievable heroic three-point three-pointer. Basically, he was uh, sizing his uh, defender up. Yeah on the uh, right side of the uh, three-point line and Sorry. just uh, fade, away. fade away. Yeah, and uh, everyone knew it was going in, the thing was. Yeah, that's the thing. And then when you, when he gives you the little time thing, you're just like, all right, <laughs> this game's over. He's putting this to rest. Because, I mean, Damian literally, he gets as high as anybody in the league. There's no yeah, doubt about it's it. kind of like uh, uh, Clay Thompson. Clay Th- exactly, kind of like Clay Thompson. When they get on a roll – they're just impossible to beat him. I would say him, Kevin Durant. When those guys get hot, they're just impossible. They're supernova hot, yeah. Supernova, he hot, supernova hot. I have a couple of things to add um, for the NBA. Sure. We uh, head out also. Larry Fitzgerald buy, bought a stake in the Suns today. Um, so now he owns a, a part of the Suns, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting because obviously he's got ties to the, to the uh, Phoenix area. Um, so it's interesting to see that he's going into the NBA he, he definitely struck me as the kind of guy that after football, he would definitely go into some business ventures. Um, so it's cool to see that he's um, investing in the Suns um, and see how I want to see how that um, continues to um, outroll. And then one other thing, Dwight Howard does confirm that he is in the yep. contest. First time in he like five, six years. First time in five or six years. He's been kind of teetering. People had asked him questions and he'd been kind of like, ah, yeah, I don't know. But He's confirmed that he's in the dunk contest. How excited I am, I don't know because I don't think he's as explosive as exactly. he was five or six years ago. Um, so, but I'm happy for him because he's had a resurgence in his career of late, and you know he's he's really um, come along. So it, I'm I'm excited to see him perform as well. best. Yep, and also uh, Derek Jones Jr. is the other uh, one right. that's definitely that's also definitely participating in the dunk contest. Yeah, he's a leaper. Yeah, that. he's a slender leaper, yes. and he pl- he's a backup uh, forward. I want to say for the uh, for the, the Heat. He is exciting. So I wonder who the other two will be. 
so we'll do this for the midseason since we're almost at that moment. Who's your uh, so we'll start with Paulo. Who's your team uh, that stock has risen highest since uh, the beginning of the year? I mean, I can go the obvious one, which is the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks because they're thirty nine and six and six losses. Six losses compared to every other team in the conference with thirteen losses a, at the minimum. They're on a seven game winning streak though. But that will be an honorable mention because I don't want to be too obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I would like to go um, – let me see. Okay. I'm going to go with the 76ers. Mm-hmm. Right now they're on a four-game winning streak. They're 29-16, and 16, and I think they've learned from last season on to make sure to not let the game get away from them <laughs> like we saw in that uh, game-crushing loss against the Raptors in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. For sure. And the fact that Ben Simmons has been making threes, which is still um, shocking. <laughs> I know. He's uh, made a couple threes. I feel like they have the pieces to uh, to finally get it together and mm-hmm. to win the big one. Now, I don't think they're going to win an NBA championship this season, but at least get into a deep uh, playoff run, possibly the conference finals. For sure. So and then your, your, uh, we'll go with Nathan with his stock. I yeah. stock up. For the Eastern Conference, um, or I'll just go. give one overall. Uh, one overall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Can I get? Can I give one for each, uh, sure. each conference? Because I. Yeah. Yeah. So I, if if I'm gonna give, yeah, we're going to give one. Oh, you conference. had one in so, mind too for the Western Paul? Yeah, I'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, for the Eastern Conference, I'm I'm gonna go with the Celtics. The Celtics have been hmm. uh, really good as of late. They beat the Lakers by a considerable amount. Yeah, amount. 20, 30 points. Yeah, they, by thirty two points. That was actually. shocking. Uh, one thirty nine to one hundred seven. Jalen Brown dunked on LeBron James. Um, he did that also in the I believe last year, right? That was uh, Jason Tatum. Oh, Tatum. Yeah. So they so lose. They, they got something against LeBron, <laughs> obviously. So the but. Boston Celtics destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers, which was a very impressive win. But they lost to the Phoenix Suns at home. Yeah. But, I mean, teams do that these yeah, days. It happens. It's But and overall, the Celtics, what I'm seeing with them right now is I'm seeing a togetherness that I haven't seen from them in a long time. They really are starting to grow together in terms of knowing how how they fit with each other because the before people had talked about, you know, so many forwards, so many guys. And I think, I think another factor is the Kyrie factor. Kyrie factor has because a lot. Because he is – He's kind of like the Antonio Brown, kind of like with that head case kind of thing. Exactly. I'm actually going to about about to get to that with the Nets. My <laughs> Nets are my stock down. Um, you thought with Kyrie's comeback that they would improve a little bit, but it hasn't really been that much of improvement. In fact, they've uh, regressed quite a bit. They've lost four in a row now, um, and they're just not the same team that they were last year, um, even with Kyrie. Um, and so there's been a lot of trouble, obviously, in the media with Kyrie and stuff like that. You know, him responding to questions and things like that. And I, I guess comparing himself to Martin Luther King. Um, so it, there's been a, it's just so much, obviously, that doesn't need to be in the Nets locker room. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's showing up on the, on the scoreboard. They're 18 and 24, uh, which is definitely not what I expected them to be at this point in the season. I forgot to get my stock down. My stock down is the Charlotte Hornets because they're on a seven-game losing streak. Yeah. It looks like things are not going uh, well. Not going well for them. They lost to the Magic at home. They lost to the Nuggets on the road. They lost to the Trailblazers, even to the Suns and Jazz. Yeah. It's just not going um, well for them. And looking at their schedule, 
I mean, they got they got the Bucks, they got the Knicks, they got the Wizards, they got the, the Spurs, Magic again. Several winnable games. Several <laughs> winnable games with the Knicks and unfortunately the Wizards. <laughs> but the Spurs still plays their hearts out. The Magic, um, the Magic are making it very tough, making it a tough game. And of course, you got the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. So, it, I'm just saying tough matchups. So, yeah, for my Eastern Conference, uh, hard and not. Basically, uh, the team that I think that has done uh, past my expectations, the Miami Heat, because we all thought there would be like a – we all thought it would be basically like a, between a 5 and an 8 seed at this point. Yeah. But with the with the, uh, the Butler addition plus uh, trading away uh, the – uh, their center to Hassan uh, Whiteside to the Trailblazers, thus giving Bam Idabayo major minutes, along with their depth with uh, Nunn and uh, Duncan Robinson and all their other, uh, basically what other people considered them cast-offs because they yep. were like uh, undrafted free agents and whatnot. Despite all that, they have the second-best record in the East at 30 wins and 13 losses, 6-4 and four in the last 10 games, uh, and 19-1 and one at home. They've lost only one game at home. Best record in all of the, and the NBA. So, yeah, they are a threat because they can do it all offensively and defensively. And as of my stock down in the uh, Eastern Conference, I would actually say the 76ers, actually. Because, uh, I mean, it's partially because Joel Embiid has missed the uh, past two weeks with an injury. Uh, I think he was like an injured uh, finger. I believe he, like broke it and you could actually see it on the replays that it was yeah went a different direction but yeah the 76ers i i want i thought they would be a top three seed at this point i mean they can still get there they're only like uh two games out of the second seed but they i still feel like they're a better team than the re- their record speaks of yeah they they've got to improve after this I mean, and i think they might have something. a yeah, they may be involved in trade. I, they're going to be involved so. in trade rumors, and they they should have a trade. Go acquire JJ Redick again. Get him back <laughs> from the. I was surprised he even left. I'm surprised too. Well, I know why, but I it, I mean he was a great. I thought they were going to keep Redick. Yeah, that was, they didn't want him the money. There was actually one strong rumor. Rumor, I mean that made a lot of sense for both teams, and that is uh, Philly trading away uh, Ben Simmons. For C.J. McCollum. Because the... Uh, you know how dumb that would be? But why? I mean... I love C.J. I, I actually <laughs> am one of the... I think because the 76ers need a scorer on the uh, as a yes, guard. But that would be incredibly dumb. And let me tell you why. C.J. McCollum is 29, I think. 29 years old, if I remember. Mm. Joel Embiid is, is injured pretty much every other week. There's one surefire guy that you do have right now is Ben Simmons. If you're trading anybody, and I love Joel Embiid, and I know he's he's big time when he when he's healthy, but it would be Joel Embiid because of his health. Because sometimes you don't know if he's going to play or not. And it's just like that. For them to trade Ben Simmons for just, it would have to be a package. Yeah, it would. It would have probably. to be C.J. McCollum, two or three other good players, and two first-round picks. Because, honestly, I believe Ben Simmons on another team is going to be even better than he is right now. And it's because, I think, being on a team with Joel Embiid, I just don't think their games mesh as well. Exactly. That's what the trade rumor is out for him, exactly, instead of Embiid. 
I would I would <laughs> shop with just CJ McCollum. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, think it would be uh, Packers. So, yeah, so now speaking of the Western Conference, Paolo, or actually, no, we'll go with Nathan. Who's your top team who, uh, that is since the beginning of the year, and who's the uh, not? Yeah, let's keep the ball rolling with Nathan. He was a little heated with that. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have my personal opinions on Ben Simmons, and I love CJ McCollum. I think he's one of the best mid-range jump shooters in the league. But um, I, I said, uh, I'll say as of late, um, the Pelicans have been the hottest team in the Western Conference. They've won 10, like I said before, they won 10 of their last 14. Um, that was from the beginning of the year where they were just completely dreadful. Now, you know, realistically speaking, they're three or four games outside of the eighth spot. Now you get Zion Williamson um, back. He adds a whole other aspect to your team. You're finally getting healthy. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball are hitting their strides at the perfect time. This team can find a way to slip in and end the A spot before you know it. And I think they've been the team that stocked up most um, that stocked up most in this past, you know, 14, 15 games. Um, I'm impressed to see what they've done as a young team. I agree. Um, they have really come together. They, lost, they, almost, they almost beat the Clippers. Actually. They almost beat the Clippers. They came mm. very close. They gave the Clippers a good fight. It was a three-point uh, loss for the Pelicans, but the fact that they went toe-to-toe with the Clippers. That's saying something. Almost beating them. Almost beating them. I mean, it's saying something. They have a lot of talent on their team. And then my stock down would be the Rockets. And I'll continue to say this. I'm, I'm not convinced with the Rockets' uh, continuity. Don't think they're going to do well in the playoffs. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But the the Rockets just can, to me, continue to plummet. They've lost their last four games, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they find themselves at the lower end of the seed when it comes to playoffs seedings. Because when you look at the top five teams here, these the top five teams here are all really good teams. Um, now Dwight Powell did go down with a torn Achilles yep. tendon for the Mavericks. He was so their backup center. He was their backup center. Averaged around 10 points, eight rebounds, you know, three assists. Um, so that is going to have some effect. He, the Rockets and Mavericks might switch places um, every once in a while. Don't be surprised to see if the Thunder also kind of sneak their way in there. But the Rockets overall have just not been impressive to me. Um, as much as James Harden puts up great numbers, um, it's just their their team overall has not been impressive, and it shows in their in their standings there. Uh, Paulo, you. Uh, one successful team and one disappointing team since the start of the year. Well, I guess a successful team would be the Golden State Warriors because they keep playing their heart their uh, hearts out despite some games. <laughs> I can't do it. I know. <laughs> Ten win team. They give it up. They give it up. Hey, they got double digit wins. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, I can't do it. That was just my attempt at the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so I give this stock up for a team that is. Not on the t- high on the totem pole, but they have impressed me. Um, honorable mention would be the Clippers because uh, yeah. they're second in the uh, Western Conference. They're right behind the Lakers. They're making it very competitive despite injuries to Paul George. Um, they have just great pieces with Kawhi Leonard, like uh, Ibaka Zubak, Patrick Beverly, Skip to my Lou Williams, Mon- Montrezl Harrell. So they got great pieces there. But uh, one team that has impressed me, I'm going to give a stock up to, is Oklahoma City Thunder. They're 25 and 19. They're on a two-game winning streak. And come, we expected Oklahoma City after uh, the trade that they made with the 
Houston Rockets that they were going to be where the Golden State Warriors are now. Yep. At the we, very yeah, we thought the they would be, uh, be in the running for yeah. the lottery. Yeah, very bottom of the totem pole, but they, in fact, did beat the Rockets. They did. And right now, in an update, it's the fourth quarter now, nine minutes to go, and they're beating the Magic 97-91. to mm. But they beat the Trail Blazers. They lost in a nine-point difference to the Toronto Raptors at home. So... They they are going toe to toe with tough teams, yep. and right now they're at the seventh seed. Yep. So they're in they're in the playoff they're mix. The playoff mix. So if they can continue to win their games, they can get into the playoffs in a in a season where not many people thought they were going to be a playoff team. And wouldn't that be funny to see if the Thunder end up with a better record than the Rockets after losing Russell Westbrook and Paul George? Yeah, and uh, you, if you want to add Kevin Durant and right. James Harden in years past. Well, I mean, you're talking about that, that's proof there that if you have a really good team or if you have a, a good team atmosphere, you can win games in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam Pressy, the general manager for the Oklahoma City Thunder, he knows he's what legit. he's doing. He oh, he's doing. what's more impressive, they're doing it with um, Chris Paul, who is aging, but he is – Still the star. Still the star. Dennis Schroeder, the, Dennis Schroeder, the backup. No Andre Roberson. Shy Gillies Alexander. Alexander is playing is impressing me. They also have Nerlens Noel. They got great pieces. Sure do. And now for stock down. For stock down, of course, uh, Golden State Warriors, but I don't want to go too easy on that. No, I mean, that's like an easy pick. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna go with. I was gonna go with the Timberwolves. But I changed my mind and go with the Phoenix Suns because earlier in the season, they were like around maybe four or five. The fourth, fifth seed, yeah. Yeah, the fourth or fifth seed in the uh, uh, Western Conference. And since then, they have fallen down uh, to the 11th uh, spot overall in the in the Western Conference. They're 18 and 25 now. Of course, I think this is more uh, of reality coming back to the yeah. Phoenix Suns. But – you think after beating a team like the Boston Celtics in Boston, right. they could start getting it together. But they lost by two to the San Antonio Spurs. And with their schedule, they have the Pacers on the road. They have the Spurs again, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Thunder. All, yeah. Top. And the Bucks. All playoff teams. All playoff Minus teams. the Spurs. Right now, their schedule is not favoring them well. And the fact that they went from – close to the middle of the pack of the Western Conference to, like, outside looking in, that's my stock down. And, yep, and as for mine, uh, my two picks, the team that I've been impressed with the most, Memphis Grizzlies, with, uh, like we said, John Morant, who's basically the front runner for Rookie of the Year, along with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., making a 1-2 dynamic punch for the team. And it's making them a complete like 180 compared to the years past when they were like a defensive sluggish team with like Zach Randolph and the light and Marcus Hall and the like. And uh, yeah, Mike Conley. They were a defensive oriented team. This is total 180. They're offensive oriented team with little defense. And they've proven to be a very exciting team to watch. And kind of like the Wizards, how they're like an up tempo team. And yeah, and they're on, they're in the number eight seed at twenty and twenty three. I'd be surprised if they don't make the playoffs because they're a very talented team with a young stud 
point guard leading the fran- franchise moving yeah. forward, and they're eight and two in their last ten games. As for a stock down and disappointing team, I have to give it to the Sacramento Kings because I remember around this point last year they were a solid like five six seed or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had uh, De'Aaron Fox who was doing well. Willie Cauley Stein was doing well offensively. I mean, and they had some uh, chemistry together. They were doing well at home. But suddenly this year, they've totally collapsed. Uh, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is still De'Aaron Fox. He's still a great uh, point guard, but their pieces around him are not as great as. I mean, we do have like uh, Bajinga who's doing well and. Other pieces that are playing decently well, but 15 and 28 is not a record I expected to start the year uh, for the Sacramento Kings. I expected them to be closer to a, play, a playoff team than not. Because they were they were close to getting to the playoffs. They were. Last yeah, last season. yeah, that's what I was saying. They were at least a six seed or whatever. At this point. Yeah, but I think it was the eighth. Yeah, but in this case, they're the second to worst team in the tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Western Conference. Okay, and so uh, that's going to do it for the uh, NBA talk. I just wanted to give uh, solemn condolences, uh, since we're speaking of basketball, solemn condolences to the Wooden family. As the uh, winningest head coach in basketball, as the winningest high school basketball head coach in the nation, coached at DeMantha Catholic from 1956 to 2002, he passed away today at the age of 88. In terms of uh, accolades, he was the first ever high school coach to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, wow. Basketball Hall of Fame. He had a 1,274 wins and 192 losses. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> to have 1,200 wins and then 200 losses. Talk about a difference. Yeah. Though. And then he actually, according to the USA Today article that was remembering him, he actually turned down opportunities to coach at Virginia, Wake Forest, North, NC State, North Carolina State, and Duke wow. to remain as a high school head coach. Wow. You could tell he was invested yeah. in his players in high school. And when, once you become invested with a certain team, it's very difficult to leave. You want to stay with those, with those guys and you want to continue to see them grow. So hats off to him and a great career. Um, obviously, prayers for the family um, as they're going through, you know, this this tough time. Um, but wow, what an amazing career for high school yeah. too. That's that's this incredible. Is, this is Morgan Wooden. Yeah, Morgan Wooden. Yeah. By the way, and the, high school teams don't play nearly as many games, so they get to a thousand wins. That's very difficult. I mean, then again, he did play for and coach for like 50, 60 years. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this is true. And uh, yeah, and according to that uh, USA Today article, it goes on to say there was a game in 1965 that pushed uh, Morgan Wooden into national prominence. Dematha took on the Power Memorial Academy of New York, which had uh, the center Lou Alcindor, who was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and entered the and they entered the game uh, this uh, New York with a 71 game winning streak including a three-point win against DeMatha a year earlier. The uh, DeMatha Stags held Elsindor to 16 points, and they won 46-43 to 43 in front of a sellout crowd at the Coldfield House at uh, University of Maryland. That's awesome. But unfortunately, um, he passed away at 88, so that, that's why on the radio, if you were listening, there were a lot of people calling in to the local uh, sports radio, giving their condolences and what uh, how they felt about uh, Morgan Wooden as a yeah. person and as a 
head coach because some were former players, some were former other coaches yeah. coached against him. You can tell he left a legacy, and he left um, he left behind a lot of a lot of people who um, love him, care for him, um, and who uh, loved loved obviously his coaching ability, his leadership, and that's I mean that's more that's more than you can ask for. Yeah. So that's pretty yep. amazing. Yeah. Yep, and so yeah, unfortunate, and yeah, I just want to give my condolences to him and his family. Mm-hmm. And then moving on, our, my last topic I'm going to be talking about is the Australian Open, since that was took place last that started last weekend and continues on. We're now into the second and third rounds of the uh, Australian Open, and uh, here are some uh, notes that have uh, some key point, uh, some surprises and not so surprises that have happened over the past week or so. So uh, for the men's side, Joe, uh, Joe Wolfried Sanga, the 26th overall uh, uh, player from France, lost in a, to a claw flyer in the first round due to injury. So he had to bow out early, retire early. But sad because Sanga is such a good player, 28th ranked, and he loses. And also uh, Francis Tiafo, the college, college Park's own uh, Tennis star lost to number four ranked uh, Daniel Mendvedev in four sets. So it was unfortunate that he was paired against one of the best players in the world in the first round. Yeah. And then on the women's side, uh, Coco Gauff faced Venus Williams in the first round. They met again. Again, the second matchup, first matchup was in Wimbledon. Gauff won and now faces Naomi Osaka again, this time in the third round. This will be an interesting battle. <laughs> Yep, I agree. And then uh, Sloane Stevens, uh, the other African-American female ranked 24th overall, she lost in three sets in the first round, even though she had match point twice in the second set. That's tough. (laughs) And then the third point uh, is that Maria Sharapova, who is now unranked, lost in straight sets also in the first round. And, yeah, she's way past her prime at this point. Her and Venus are both way past their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only a matter of time when they retire, but both fantastic tennis players. It's too bad to see them lose in the first round, though. That's always tough. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's understandable if you lost in, like, the third, fourth round because it right. at least shows that you made some progress, but to bow out in the first round. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just tough. Yeah, so Sangha, Sangha uh, Stevens, and Mary, Mary, Mary Sharapova, the surprises. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, you also wanted to mention something about UFC that happened over the weekend, too? Yeah, so UFC had a crazy weekend. Um, I mean, just amazing overall. Um, obviously, the big the big event was Conor McGregor versus Don, Donald Cerrone. Um, but there were also some other uh, great fights um, that also happened during that night. Um, we had Holly Holm uh, versus Raquel Pennington. Now, Holly Holm won in decision. Um, in round um, the round three, um, there was a three-round fight um, for the women bantamweight. Um, this was a co-main event. It wasn't that exciting of a fight, actually. Holly Holm barely uh, pulled out the win. She hasn't been the same, um, but um, she did win um, in three rounds um, by decision. Um, Ale- Alexi um, Olenek, he won in round two um, in, with 438 um, by submission against Maurice Green. Um, the young up-and-coming uh, athlete for the heavyweight division, um, and he had a pretty pretty impressive uh, performance where essentially he kept Maurice Green at bay throughout the entirety of the game, kept it pretty simple. He almost used wrestling te- um, tactics um, through more, uh, to Maurice Green, 
Um, he did a great job just keeping defending him off, um, making sure he didn't get into a striking um, uh, kind of battle with uh, Maurice. Um, and he ended up with the victory. We also had Brian uh, Keller in the bantamweight division win by submission in the first round against Odie Osborne. Um, and then we had Anthony Pettis going down against Carlos Diego Ferreira, who Carlos Diego Ferreira, a lot of people don't know him, um, but he's been improving each, I mean, each bat, each each fight that he's 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 played, um, he's improved and improved. Um, he finally got his big break against Anthony Showtime Pettis. He won in round two by submission. He's now 17 and two. You gotta keep an eye out for him. But then obviously the big fight and the thing that everybody was talking about after the fight was Conor McGregor, his return after 465 days off fighting versus Cowboy Don Cerrone. Cowboy Don Cerrone has so many records um, uh, in the octagon. I mean, you talk about fights played, uh, fights won, fights won by by kicks. Um, I mean, he's he has he holds so many records. Um, and the funny thing is, is that Conor McGregor beat him by a kick with what something that Donald Cerrone would do. Um, Conor McGregor did it within 40 seconds. The amazing thing about what Conor McGregor did is he was beating Donald Cerrone with shoulders. He was giving him shoulders to the jaw um, and finished him um, with that ending kick. I mean, you talk about an impressive victory for Conor McGregor. Um, this really solidifies his ability to fight in three different weight classes. He's now fought in the 150 class. He's fought in the 155 class and obviously now the 170 class. Um, and to beat a guy like Donald Cerrone on your first fight in a year and a half, I mean, it's, it says a lot about um, Conor McGregor and what it's going to mean going forward. There's been so many talks about him, Habib rematch. There's been talks about him um, versus Kamaru Usman. There's been talks about him versus Jorge Masvidal. There's a lot of talks right now about where he's going to be going forward. There's going to be some exciting matches going forward between those guys. Um, I'm excited to see how that's going to help or how that's going to work out. The welterweight division is going to be very exciting as well as the 155. So I'm curious to see where that's going to go forward. So was that the fastest uh, victory that uh, Conor McGregor has ever had, or has he had a quicker victory? He's had, he's had a quicker victory. Yeah. One most notable was against Jose Aldo, where he, where I think he beat Jose Aldo within 10 or 15 seconds. And it was by a uh, left uh, left um, hook to the jaw. It was fantastic. If you ever get the chance to, uh, to go back and see it, one of the most impressive um, uh, victories in UFC history. I mean, it was it happened in an instant. Um, and Jose Aldo at that point was one of the most accomplished stars in the UFC. Um, it was very difficult to beat a great Muay Thai fighter. Um, but uh, Jose Aldo, he up leading up to the fight, um, Conor McGregor had played so many head games with Jose Aldo, and Jose Aldo just couldn't shake it. And by by fight time, he, Conor McGregor, like the lion that he is, came out and put down Jose Aldo um, in an impressive fashion. Um, but yeah, that was an impressive victory for him, and he's done the same against Donald Cerrone. I mean, this is a, this is pretty impressive. I was telling this to Nathan before we started recording the podcast. Um, I wonder how many people are that bet against Conor McGregor, they bet money on it, are <laughs> ticked off that 
Donald Cerrone lost in less than a minute. Tell me about it. People are, I know people are livid, but I know people are also very excited because I know a lot of people um, believe that, you know, that Conor McGregor could possibly beat Donald Cerrone in the first round. I know Chad Ochocinco said that he was betting on Conor McGregor winning the first round. So you're right. There's people on both sides of the of the coin here. Some that are like, uh, how 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 could Conor McGregor win in one in the first round after 465 days off? And then other people are like, I told you so. Conor McGregor was going to win the first round. So it's pretty it's pretty cool to see both sides of that. Before we close out, I want to yeah. get your thoughts. When you have a big um, a big fight like we had uh, with Conor McGregor and uh, Donald Cerrone. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's best for UFC if you have a quick decision like we saw with uh, McGregor or like a kind of a long out fight? I think this this actually it works out perfect um, because it, because Conor it was Conor McGregor. So it, because Conor McGregor was the one who won in 40 seconds, mm-hmm. I think this is perfect for the UFC because what this does is it sets up a lot of exciting fights going forward as well as so many other talking points for people to, to really engage in and so having conor mcgregor win in the 40 seconds in the fashion that he did um a lot of people believe he only had a left hand you know he could only beat guys with the left hand but he showed that he could beat guys with his shoulder and with 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 his kicking ability with Donald Cerrone, somebody who's been been fighting for a long time, who has 36 wins on his belt, I think it actually um, is perfect for the UFC. It's gonna be it's gonna be huge for them going forward in terms of marketing, um, having Conor McGregor return and still be as elite um, as he was when he when he first was in the ring. So this actually works out perfectly for them. It's gonna be interesting how many buys the UFC. Yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna get bigger and bigger for UFC. They they have some good stuff coming forward. So that's gonna do it for us for this third episode of uh, 2020 of the Spin Move Podcast, where we give our spin on the week's worth of sports news. Lots of different topics from all different uh, sports crammed into this one episode. And so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, from Nathan, Paolo, and me, Samir, signing off. Take guys. care, everyone. Enjoy the uh, Pro Bowl weekend or lack of Pro Bowl game yes. thereof.